68, 0 to 60, and I'm about to find out. Now, back to Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Tito's Vodka. Here once again, Johnny Radio. Welcome back to a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy, Johnny Radio. Bryant Dacus is hanging out with me. It's a thirsty Thursday. A little after 12, you know what that means. It's time to talk with Evie Van Pelt from the Rebel Walk, your number one source for all things Ole Miss sports information. Pretty big week. Uh, the Rebels are not playing at home. Nobody's going to be partying in the Grove. All the uh, the fun festivities. Nope, not, not, not this week. Because they're going down to Jordan Hare, and they got to play Auburn, and you know their coaches now. You got Hugh Freeze uh, down there. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of an interesting game. We also got to talk a little basketball because over at the Rebel Walk, they are extremely busy. But first and foremost, how are you doing, Evie? Thanks for having me. I'm excited you're back. I missed you. Everybody did a great job while you were gone, but I'm really glad you're back. Thank you, thank you. It feels so good, man, when people miss you when you're gone. You know, I just I appreciate that. But I did have fun. Kids went crazy, had a lot of fun, and then um, also before that, I went and had my own personal fun in Colorado. So it was oh, much needed. Good. So you had your bye week and you're <laughs> healthy and everything ready for the second half of the season. That's exactly right. Oh, and I'm so fired up for the second half. And, um, you know, there's a big one right now down in Auburn, Alabama. And there's a there's a gentleman who's returning pretty close to home. Quinshawn oh. Judkins, uh, when he starred, what was it, at Pikeville? Pike Road. Pike Road. Pike Road High School. Yes, yes. And uh, we we actually spoke with the mayor of Pike Road earlier what? this week. Yes, we talked to the mayor. And uh, even though I think the mayor is an Auburn fan, um, he's wishing Quinshawn well and uh, says he's always represented his family and friends and hometown in a way that makes him proud. So I think uh, I think he'll be pulling for Quinshawn. That's sweet. That is sweet. I'm kind of curious, though. Is he going to have a lot more, you know, a lot of people in the, you know, the crowd that know him, a lot of, the for, you know, former guys that played with him in high school? Is he going to have a little extra juice for this one? I think he will. I think uh, his high school is less than 45 minutes away from where he started at Pike Road. And so I think he's going to have a lot of friends and family there and probably some current Pike Road players. So uh, that's going to be a fun game for Quinchon. I bet. As you said, but he will be juiced up for that one. I will be. Uh, I'll be. I'm ready for this one too, and I'm glad it's at like six o'clock. You know, everybody. I'll be. I'll have a couple Tito's inside of me, so my <laughs> nerves will be a little bit more relaxed. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Now I got to know. Um, you know, first time the Rebels are playing against the Hugh Freeze team. I mean, well, they did it last year against Liberty. I mean, but I'm talking about an SEC team. Hugh Freeze. He thinks he's got the guys. Um, how big is this for the Rebels? Oh, man, I think it's really big. I I think, honestly, with the way, I think there's way more pressure on Ole Miss just because Hugh's, you know, I think Hugh, Hugh has not won a SEC game yet. And so, you no, know, I think Auburn, yeah, I think Auburn fans are 
you know, they're they're not happy, but I think they know it's probably going to take a little time to get this thing going. Well, the lane train is already going, and so Ole Miss fans, I think, are really would really be disappointed if they didn't win this one. That being said, uh, Lane Kiffin told us Monday that Ole Miss has not won back-to-back games over Auburn in 71 years. What? And we won last year. Yes, we have not won back-to-back games over Auburn since 1951-52. So, this is uh this is a this is a big one in Jordan Harris, not an easy place to play in. They gave Georgia all they wanted, I guess, 27-20. Yeah, 20. Yeah, yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, so I mean, but think about that, 71 years. That's a lot of history to overcome this coming Saturday. Man, that is a lot of history to overcome. Now, they do, I feel like, have the right guy pulling the trigger. Uh, Jackson Dart added to the Maxwell Ward uh, watch list. He's playing extremely well uh, with all the talk about Walker Howard and Spencer Sanders. Looks like Jackson's just settled into that role and taking the, the reins firm. And everybody down in Oxford's got to pretty, you know, feel pretty good about the way he's playing, especially if you look at his counterpart. Um, Peyton Thorne, I just think, is terrible. <laughs> well, tell us how you really feel there. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I think, you know, Kiffin was asked about playing, you know, because I think they've played uh, Robbie Ashford also. So, you know, I mean, I but think But he never right. throws. Like, it's, no, you know he's going to run the no. ball. Yes. And I know, you know, I think Kiffin tried to say that, oh, well, you know, I mean, they're both – they're both good, and, you know, I mean, he said all the right things, but, yeah, you're right. They have struggled. Auburn's offense is pretty much dead last in the SEC in a lot of the key metrics. So, uh, But the Ole Miss defense, I think, is 112th against the pass. So, you know, I, I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll see. I've got a lot of confidence in this Ole Miss defense. I think they've... Uh, I think they're really starting to gel together. I think they're they're really starting to groove in, in Golding's system. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see them play. And, you know, we talked to some of them earlier this week, and, you know, they were asked about playing. Some of the players were asked about, you know, playing in Jordan-Hare, and it's a very – uh, it's a very, very partisan home field advantage crowd for them. And their comment was, you know, well, we went to Bryant-Denny. You know, we, if we can, you know, play in front of 106,000 at Bryant-Denny, we can play in front of, you know, 80-some-odd thousand there in, in Jordan-Hare. So that's really good that they've they've kind of got that uh, under, under their, their belt. belt. Yeah. I, yeah. And the other thing is, though, is you just have to – also as a, you know, a Rebel fan, I know the coaches aren't looking like this or the players, but dang – LSU beat the brakes off of Auburn last week. Like that was that was brutal. Like like poor. Oh. I was even actually feeling sorry for Auburn for a little bit. I'm no. like, man, it's it was twenty nothing with a quickness. Um, but yeah, yes. yeah, like, that was a yeah, that was uh, de- they definitely covered that ten and a half point spread, didn't they? Yes, they did. So yeah, that was uh, that was quite interesting. So, but I will tell you, I think. Um, Auburn is a little bit of a different team, maybe at home. They've, they've shown that. I think uh, Kiffin talked about their winning percentage at home versus their winning percentage on the road, and there's like a you know 20% difference. It's really actually pretty large, so they do play better at home. And 
you know he freeze wants this one. Oh, so gosh, yes. I think, yeah, I mean, he's talked all week about, oh, he just hopes one day his offense is like Lane Kiffin's offense. And, you know, I mean, he's made all, you know, he's, he's been very self-deprecating and um, we'll see. But I, I know he's probably going to have some, some little wiggles to throw out there at the Rebels. Were you on with the uh, SEC coaches teleconference by any chance? Yes, I was. What did uh, was. what what did the two coaches kind of basically have to say against about this matchup? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think Lane Lane is really I don't know if you've noticed this, but Lane has been a lot quieter this week. I really we really haven't seen much out of Lane uh, on social media before this game, and actually before Auburn either. So I mean, uh, before Arkansas either. So that's been kind of interesting. Basically. You know, Lane just said that the Rebels have not put together a complete game yet. We we saw the offense go off against LSU, but not the defense. We saw the defense do do well against um, Arkansas, but then the offense wasn't quite as, as good. So he just wants there to be a complete game. Um, and then Freeze, basically, like I say, he just really complimented the, the offense and said what a great offensive mind Lane Kiffin is and always has been. And um, so, you know, Lane Lane really focused more on his team. He really didn't talk that much about about Auburn. Lane also said that Ruggles had got to cut down on penalties. We've had some very costly penalties that have defensively that have extended the opponent's third down uh, to a first down and then offensively that have, have stalled us. So that's another thing. You know, and I can actually understand we're a little bit of, um, you know, being a little bit more quiet, especially after that Arkansas game, because there was a stretch where I was like, what in the, what's happening? <laughs> I mean, it was 17 7. You come out of halftime and you're feeling pretty dead gum good. And all of a sudden you look up and it's 20, uh, 20 to 17. Arkansas had the lead. I mean, and you know, that's the crazy thing. I think there was probably not an Ole Miss fan alive that was surprised. Like, we we were like, you, what is happening? But just Arkansas game, you just never can, never can rest. I mean, that one... You know, that was that was scary. That's always after fourth and twenty five we're always gonna feel that way. But um Jackson Dart was injured, I believe, on the second play of the game. And, you know, not not anything that kept him out of the game, obviously, but it did kinda hamper him a little bit. And uh so and I think uh Trey Harris might have had a little hamstring issue during the game. I think both those guys are gonna be good to go against Hugh Freeze's Auburn team. Uh, we are waiting to see what we find out about Jordan Watkins because there's. Oh, God. And he had he, the monster game last week. He did. And supposedly last week in practice, he broke a bone in his hand. Oh, and man. so, but, you know, and he's the leading receiver in reception yards on the team. But he was, our sources say, out there. He has been at practice. He was there yesterday, full pads, non-contact jersey, understandably, but he was out there. So, you know, we don't we don't know. Lane told us Monday he quote unquote anticipates him playing, but you know, we shall see. But that's going to be that. That I think he's a big um, a big part of that offense. With Ole Miss's offense, um, you know, getting a little bit more healthy, you know, kind of, you know, Dart was, you know, going through, I think, for like 153 yards. They really put it in Bentley's hands to run the football and Judkins and 
and they just held on basically at the end, to be honest with you, and uh, came back and won that bad boy. But you just have to feel when you go against a K.J. Jefferson or a Jaden Daniels, mm. and now you're going against a Peyton Thorne, you just have to feel like Pete Golding's guys have got to be salivating. Oh, I, I think they are. I mean, my gosh. I Jaden Daniels, I think, is one of the best quarterbacks in the whole country. I mean, that kid just impresses me so much. I watched him against Missouri, and I think he single-handedly defeated Missouri the same way he single-handedly last year defeated Ole Miss. Um, talented and KJ, I mean, my gosh, you know, just he's immensely talented. And, you know, it's funny because Coach Freeze talked about Pete Golding in the teleconference Wednesday and said, you know, he's coached in the biggest of games and was with one of the best in the game, you know, in Nick Saban for a long time. So, you know, he has answers. And he did comment, you know, that, that the Rebels are playing extremely hard for him and how impressed he's always been with Golding. And I, and I do think that that's true. I think that Kiffin really challenged them after they gave up, you know, 49 points to LSU going into the uh, Arkansas week. And I think they really responded because I never dreamed they could hold Rocket Sanders and KJ Jefferson to 36 yards rushing, you know, mm -hmm. total. I just never dreamed that. So, but you're right. I think that, you know, they're prepared. They said this week they're prepared for both Thorne and Ashford, but you're right. They're not, no offense to either of those quarterbacks, but, you know, Jaden Daniels and K.J. Jefferson are very, very strong. You ain't lying. K.J. Jefferson, man, he did a, uh, you know, a little forearm shiver to one of the Rebels players. I was like, damn. <laughs> it's like, damn. <laughs> It's a full-grown man you just threw down with one hand. Um, yeah. how's, uh, how, how's everything going in the tight end room over there in Oxford? Um, something that we talked about in the preseason, really, really wanted to take advantage of, uh, hadn't really been used that much. Well, you know, um, I think that they've had, you know, a number of different things. You know, Hudson Wolf was back, and then he got hurt, and then we lost Michael Trigg. And then Caden Prescorn, you know, and Paul Kent had to have third. Yeah, so um, we had all that going on. And then recently, you know, Caden Prescorn's dad passed away. Oh, that's so sad. And, I did not know that. Oh, he passed away. And it was during the during the bye week. And so that weekend, Caden was able to go home and, and be with his family. And Coach Kiffin has talked a couple of times. He's been asked about it. And apparently it was uh, cancer. And it was something that they knew, you know, was coming, which kind of makes it even harder because it had been a, a process. And Kiffin just, I mean, could not could not say enough how much he thinks of Caden Prescorn. I mean, he said what a, what a man he is, the way he's handled this. So he's been really, really proud of him. Oh my goodness, that is, um, man, you just gotta kind of root for him and everything. But going forward, I feel like since, you know, if that room can get healthy, especially if he can get healthy, it can be something that kind of puts them over the top later on down the season, especially when they play that team, you know, down in Athens when they play Georgia. Oh boy, I know. Um, I think so. And I think that, that Caden is doing better. And I, you know, gosh, just the bumps and bruises that you have throughout the season. I think that bye week really helped them. Although I will say, you know, we got to talk to Quinch on Monday and they are very well aware of the fact that last year after the bye, that's kind of when the wheels fell off and, uh, you know, they lost 
four or five games there and finished so poorly. So they're all very, very aware. I mean, Quinshawn said that they're, you know, just attack, they attacked the bye week and that that's what they're doing this week because, you know, they remember that and nobody wants that to happen. Well, not only is Quinshawn kind of going home for a little reunion, uh, you know, the high school version, but J.J., he started his career down in Oxford. I mean, down in, uh, down in Auburn. Yes, he did. He, uh, yeah, an Oxford high school guy and then went to Auburn and then now is uh, in Oxford and we're sure glad he's back. And I think he, you know, he, he learned a lot while he was there and he's, you know, telling a lot of the, the kids about what their you know, teammates, about what they're going to face and in Jordan Hare and, and, you know, what that's going to be like. But, boy, you know, boy, I know Lane Kiffin is happy to have him back both uh, on the defensive line and when he needs him, you know, on offense. Now, um, one other thing before I jump over to hoops, um, a bunch of Ole Miss fans, are are they right now UT fans? Um, yes, yes. Absolutely. You got me there for a second because UT, I was thinking, wait, University of Texas, but no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, Tennessee yeah. involved. Um, that'll come next year. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, boy, if Bama, if Bama could get a loss there, um, that would be phenomenal. I mean, there are still some who think that even if, you know, if Ole Miss, now this is, you know, I'm being optimistic here, although, you know, I, I think Georgia this year is Especially if they don't have Brock Bowers, they're star tight end. I don't yeah. think they're going to. I don't think they're going to. So I think that might. I mean, I think he's one of the top players in all of college football. I mean, he's just just outstanding. I think that they're they're going to look a little different without him, regardless of how talented his his backup may be. But um, yeah, I mean, imagine if Ole Miss were able to get a win there, could win out. I mean, even if Bama went to the SEC title game, if, uh, you know, if Bama lost to Georgia in the SEC title, I mean, who knows? You might could find these Rebels if they were a one-loss Ole Miss team making the playoffs. You never mm-hmm. know. And that two-lane win keeps looking better and better. Yes, it does. And, you know, I, I said that after that game because there were, you know, there were a few folks who were a little chagrined that we were behind, in the, you know, in the, at halftime of that game. And I said, I tell you what, I think, I think that's, you're going to see that's a, that's a pretty good Tulane team. And, um, so I think that they, they have proven that. And Ole Miss, I think, is one of just a few, uh, power five teams with two wins over ranked top 25 teams at the time so you know they're they're doing what they can i know that they sure hate that that alabama one got away from them in the second half but uh and again you know i guess i'm getting ahead of myself gotta play auburn and you know bandy will play all this tough at oh, home that's they what you always, do though you can't yes. help man you gotta get excited <laughs> each week you know you're like oh if we could do this this and this oh my goodness that's right i mean an a&m i mean Ole miss has a&m at home and i'm glad because you never know what you're gonna get from on Jimbo's team, just neither you know. does anybody down in uh, down in College Station either. No, and I think uh, Coach Fisher's probably his seat's getting a little bit warmer and warmer. I can't even imagine how hot it is. But man, we got to talk about. There's a new era starting in uh, men's basketball. Uh, it's right around the corner. What's going on with Chris Beard? What's he talking about? Yes. Well, he was at uh, SEC Media Days yesterday, and one thing that I like is 
he is not looking at this like, okay, we're going to come in and we're going to build this program. No. He says it's, it's all expectations. A lot of people don't think the first year matters. He said, I respectfully disagree. Don't, this is a quote, don't put a mulligan or an asterisk next to this first year Ole Miss team. Uh, we're, it's our players, our staff, we're fighting, you know, we're fighting time, but there's no excuses. Everybody has obstacles. So he is not looking at this as like a throwaway year of, oh, we're just going to, you know, try and try and build. So um, that's exciting to see. And it's funny, they had, you know, Matthew Morrell was, they had Matthew Morrell and Alan Flanagan, the Auburn transfer at Media Days with him. And Morrell said, that Beard, what Beard said to him to convince Morrell to come back for another season is that people think that Beard is coming in to build the program, you know, down the road, but he's coming in to win in year one, Morrell said. So he said, yeah, he said that was his biggest thing, you know, because being a senior, he said, I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm not trying to look past, you know, the present. So that's a big, that's a big thing. And when Chris Beard speaks, I mean, he's 14th in the career-winning percentage. This man's taken three different programs in the NCAA tournament. Um, he's, you know, he's he's one of those dudes. I think he could be four since 2016. Ole Miss is planning on making that tournament this year. Are they not? Oh, absolutely. With those, and with those transfers that are coming in? Whew. Yeah, and I tell you what, um, basically, I think we were running the numbers, and I think he is averaging, uh, if you look at where he was head coach at Little Rock, Texas Tech, and at Texas, he won 70 games, so he's averaged uh, 23 wins right off the bat. And so, I mean, that would be that would be huge. And um, that was really one of the first things he said when he came to Ole Miss, you know, when he was introduced, that the wins are going to come sooner rather than later. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, they they were three and fifteen in the conference and twelve and twenty one overall last year. So he's he's got his work cut out for him. But he's got some really, as you mentioned, really talented talented kids. Better season, the men or women's basketball team. Ooh, 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 ooh! Good question, my friend. Um, well. I I just can't go against Coach Yo. I mean, I you know I've I've seen what she's got. I've seen her her practices, how she's already how she runs things, her enthusiasm, just those the transfers she brought in are are so talented. And you know, you and I talked about it last year when she said I'm going to do some damage in the portal, mm-hmm. and she did. And I. Uh, yeah, I tell you, I think they're, in fact, what was interesting is earlier this week, the preseason AP poll came out and Ole Miss is number 12. And that's the first time they've been in there since 1995 in the preseason AP poll. 95. And how high did you say they were? Did you say they were 12? Number 12, yeah. Ooh, Ole Miss coming to play this year. That's right, yes. So, I mean, so they returned seven letter winners, and then they're uh, the three transfers, three Ks, KK Deans from Florida, Kennedy Todd Williams from North Carolina, and Carissa Richardson from Auburn. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think the men, no offense, I think the men are going to do great. I think they're going to really surprise some people. I think they were picked 10th 
uh, in the SEC by the media preseason poll. I think they'll do better than that. But I, man, I'm not. I'm not betting against Coach Yo. I think she's gonna. I think she's gonna have her women. They're good. She she told me last year they will be better this year than they were last year, and we all saw how well they did last year. Yeah, it was a special season. This year, I guess, is going to be super bright. Now, you got to tell me what's going on for all the Rebel fans. What can they look for? What are you all working on? What's coming down the pike? Well, I tell you what. I am flying out tomorrow to Atlanta to try and figure out how to get a rental car there and head to Auburn. So we're going to have all the coverage uh, from Auburn. I, I'm a little concerned because I got my parking assignment for Auburn, and I swear to you it says Hayfield. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to pick you up in a tractor ride. <laughs> I guess so. I'll be ready. It's I fall. It's that time boost. of the year. Yeah, that's right. Hayfield. But, uh, so we're going to have all the coverage from Auburn. Looking for that. Hopefully a big win. We're going to cover uh, the women's basketball going on today, media day. So we'll bring everybody info on that and roll out some more content on men's basketball. And we've got, we had a baseball scrimmage this past weekend. The Rebels looked really good. I think we're going to see a starting rotation in the spring of JT Quinn and Grayson Sonier and Xavier Rivas in no particular order there. Um, but that they look really strong, really was impressed with the, the Duke transfer, Andrew Fisher, the shortstop Luke Hill. I, I think baseball is going to be exciting this season too. So we'll have a little bit of everything. Man, hotty toddy. Everything sounds wonderful. Man, it's so good to hear your voice, Evie. Thank you always for joining me, and thank you for giving me your time. Everybody go to therebelwalk.com for all your Ole Miss sports information. Don't forget to follow Evie Van Pelt at Ole Miss Evie and the Rebel Walk at the Rebel Walk. Be blessed, dear. Be safe, and uh, we'll do it again next Thursday. Thank you so much, my friend. Have a good weekend. Now, for all my old Miss people out there who, you know, you don't have to worry about nothing this weekend. You're not going down to Auburn. Or maybe you are. But if you're staying home, you're waiting for the next home game, guess what? This is the time when you go get your new cowboy boots. You get your new gear for the Grove. Wear Frontier Western Store 5880 Goodman Road down in Olive Branch. Again, they got everything for you, your family, your friends, your kids, your loved ones. They can dress you from head to toe. They got all your hats, cowboy hats, hey dude shoes, western boots, work boots, dress boots. They got your jeans, all your fall attire. Check them out. And if you can't make it to 5880 Goodman Road down in Olive Branch, then you can shop online at FrontierWesternStore.com. It's very easy to navigate. You can shop by brand. You can shop by sale. You can shop by men's, women's, kids. Simple, simple, simple. Get on there. Make your order. Click, click, click. Next thing you know, it's out within 24 hours from when you place your order. And any order of $75 or more is shipped absolutely free. We got a very familiar voice talking with Dax Harwood, a W-W-whatever superstar. Which one is he a superstar? AEW? That's why I turned this thing over to my man. Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Now, back to Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Tito's Vodka. 
Here once again, Johnny Radio. This is so cool. I'm Jay Morgan Harder, by the way. Welcome back. With Bryant for a minute here. I, I, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to get to do what we're about to do here. We got Dax Harwood on the line. AEW Collision comes to Memphis at the FedEx Forum this Saturday. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm so excited. I've had my tickets for months now. Ever since they went on sale, this is great. And I want to bring Dax on here. First of all, Dax, it's an absolute... I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to get to talk to you here today. You're one of the greatest wrestlers of all time my one of my entry points into the sport it's a pleasure to talk to you this morning and i want to start here to get people to know you a little bit better first of all maybe if i wanted to get to know you better real name david here but dax harwood what are your origins in wrestling you know uh some people grew up doing traditional wrestling in school and stuff like that uh i i know paul white what played basketball at wichita state of all things what are your origins into the sport of wrestling i know you were a fan as a child how did you get your start good morning good afternoon and thank you so much for joining us by the way yeah of course i mean i think that we should probably in the interview now i can't uh i can't do any better <laughs> justice for myself than what you did uh it is my pleasure first of all to be here thank you guys for having me on uh as far as wrestling man um i can't remember a time in my life when i wasn't infatuated with wrestling i, I loved wrestling my dad introduced me to it when i was uh very very young <clears throat> and of course being from um, north carolina uh, you know, the, the, the favorite of the house was, was Flair and the Horseman. And we, we just were infatuated with them. And then we moved on. And I remember, you know, the day that I wanted to become a professional wrestler, the day that I decided I was going to become a professional wrestler was June, uh, 23rd or 13th, one of the two, 1993. I was watching the King of the Ring pay-per-view. I got it for my birthday and I watched Bret Hart have three incredible matches and, just the way that he valiantly fought throughout those three matches made me believe in him in a way that no other wrestler, no other entertainer, uh, actor, musician, nothing had made me feel before. And I remember looking at my mom and saying, I, that's what I want to do. I want to be a wrestler. So my whole life, all I ever, well, you know, but there were two things I wanted to be, and it was a Power Ranger and then immediately <laughs> a wrestler. Um, but, uh, you know, even through college, it was so difficult for me to find um, what I wanted to major in because all I thought about was wrestling. But thankfully, uh, I graduated from the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. And, uh, you know, getting into wrestling, a sports background, I, I played high school football, uh, basketball as well, um, tore my ACL, uh, doing both of those things. Well, I partially tore in football and then uh, completely tore it, uh, finished tearing it, playing basketball. Just went up for a jump shot, tore my ACL, MCL, and meniscus. Oh, wow. Uh, we, we had a very small, uh, very small high school, and there was no uh, wrestling athletics, you know, uh, as far as in the, uh, in the county. But there was an after-school program that I attended in that was held at the National Guard Armory every, man, I want to say Wednesday afternoon after school. Um, and I would go there and, and uh, you, know, you know, obviously never amounted to anything because we couldn't. But I did train, and I did, you know, I did, only because I loved professional wrestling. And then uh, after I had my knee surgery in 2003, as soon as I was clear from that, um, I found a wrestling school by a professional wrestler who was in WCW. His name was the Maestro WCW, and uh, I trained under him and had my first professional match Friday, August the 13th, 2004, and here we are. 
Wow. That's, I mean, your ambition truly, I mean, it comes off of you. I've heard you talk about before you want to make that emotional connection with the audience, kind of like they did for you as a child. And, and you accomplished that as well as anybody. It's, I mean, I really feel it when I watch you wrestle. And your ambition is infectious. I mean, it's palpable and it really inspires me personally, uh, especially when you got your start in WWE, because uh, you came from the independent circuit and you were friends with Cash Wheeler at the time. And it seemed like you had the great force foresight to know you guys would be a great duo, but you were in WWE for two years before he was able to sign. What was that period of time like for you? I know you've spoken about anxiety a little bit as well. Uh, Did you feel any of that at that point? What was that time before you were able to team up with Cash Wheeler like for you in WWE? Yeah, so, you know, uh, like I said, I started in 2004 and I traveled independence and, you know, if you look at the landscape of WWE, which was the only game in town when I came in um and even before that in the 80s and the 90s the wwe was a land of giants you know that's cliche to say now because everyone says it but it really was i mean if you were six foot tall back then you were considered really small um and because because the typical athlete was six four six five six six even bigger um 200 and you know 50 pounds at the least um and so someone like me who's only five foot ten, you know, uh, right now weighing in at two hundred and twenty one pounds or something like that, with a southern accent, with no hair at all, um, it was very, very hard. It would it was very hard for me to get recognized on the independent scene by WWE. The only reason I got recognized was because of my uh, you know, maybe this is too much of a pat on the back, but my wrestling ability mm-hmm. uh, and they saw something in my ability and they signed me and I was signed two years before cash was. And that's because cash um, had a few prior engagements and obligations uh, overseas in Japan and in, uh, uh, and in England that he had to go to. But uh, in WWE from 2000, let's see, I got married on, this was all by coincidence. We had our wedding date set for a year. I got married on September the 16th, 2012. My wife and I drove to Tampa, Florida on September the 17th, 2012, and on September the 18th, I started with WWE. Never got a honeymoon uh, up until about a month ago. We finally went on our honeymoon. Wow. Uh, but, uh, but while he was not there, um, you know, I was just training, trying to, to get my foot in the door and, and show him what I could do. I actually tore my other ACL uh, in 2013, and uh, as soon as I recovered from that ACL tear, uh, Cash had just come on board with WWE, and we started talking. And uh, you know, immediately when my when I came back, my first match back was a tag team match with him, and that was in uh, June. I want to say July, mm-hmm. something like that, two thousand two thousand fourteen. And uh, you know, uh, nine years later, here we are. Well, my last thing about your history before we get into your your career in AEW now is right at that moment after you had your your debut with Cash Wheeler, I've heard you talk about the support you had from Dusty Rhodes and kind of unwavering support, as I think you've put it before, when not everybody was supportive. How important was that? How fulfilling was that to have somebody in your corner like that? It was awesome. I mean, you know, this sounds like I made it up, but this is the honest to God truth, and Sami Zayn was there with me. Uh, two days before Dusty passed away, he was in the he was in the um, trainer's room with all of us, and he walked in. This was after a live event that we had uh, NXT had had in Florida. He walked in, and Sami was there, and he said, I don't care what anybody says from top to bottom on either roster. Uh, Scott Dawson is the best professional wrestler we have. And wow. he compared me to Bobby Eaton, which was very, you know, 
uh, obviously huge for me, complimentary to me. Uh, but he, I, I don't know if he saw himself. I don't ever want to take that much credit in, in myself and Cash. I don't know if he saw himself in us, but I think he saw some similarities as far as not having the greatest body in the world, also having a southern accent with a little bit of a twang, you know, um, and in the style of wrestling that we had, and in the way that I that I spoke, like my. I guess my, my promos, interviews, whatever you want to call it, it's not the typical cadence of a, a wrestler promo where, you know, they pause and they stop. I just speak. And that's just how I am. That's how I've always been. I speak from, uh, it's got me in trouble a few times, but also I think that's one of the reasons that the fans, for some reason or another, uh, are endeared to me is because I speak honestly and I speak from the heart. And I think he, I think he liked that. And he always pushed for, for me and Cash on these live events. Um, I think for so long they thought that Cash and I would just be guys who have made other people look good. Um, and I, I still think that we do that now, but we just have a bigger platform to showcase ourselves uh, and we're given more of an opportunity to showcase ourselves as well. To, to, I, to, totally. You guys absolutely make your opponents look great, but you guys yourselves look unbelievable in the ring. And kind of transitioning to your time going to AEW, when you asked for your release from WWE, I've heard you talk about that you wanted to see some more, uh, I guess, dedication or just more uh, resources put into the tag team division. And, and rightfully so, first, I, I want to say as well, because I'm a fairly new fan of wrestling the last three or four years or so. And my entry point into the sport was tag team and AEW, what you guys are doing, the Young Bucks, the Lucha Brothers. So I think you were 100% right in, in, in wanting that to happen because it got me into the sport in a way that I wasn't before. What did, when you were leaving WWE and, and making that decision, because I've also heard you say you left a lot of money on the table. What was it that either Cody Rhodes or Tony Khan or whomever it was, what sold you on coming to AEW in the first place? Uh, well, speaking of, first of all, about the tag team division, the, the, the headline match for this weekend at, at, uh, Collision in Memphis is a world tag team championship match sure between is. Big Bill and, uh, Ricky Starks, who both have become a star in their own right, uh, against Claudio Castagnoli, who is an incredible professional wrestler, uh, and Wheeler Yuta, maybe the best young wrestler in the world. And that's going to be a hell of a match. Obviously, I'm going to watch. Um, but, you know, when we asked, we asked for our release in January of 2019, and we didn't get our release until the, uh, a week before the pandemic. Uh, so a year and uh, three months later, we got our release. And you know, I saw uh, I, I saw how the, the tag teams were treated uh, on Raw and SmackDown, and I knew that with my physical limitations. There was no possible way, and nor did I want to. There was no possible way that I would ever have a singles run, you know, with Vince in charge. Um, and that's no slight to him. That's just what he likes, and that's fun. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I like my own stuff as well. Uh, but I knew that <clears throat> I knew that tag team wrestling would never be in the the, the forefront. It would never be highlighted, uh, you know, in WWE uh, because Vince was not a fan of tag team wrestling. Uh, never was. And, uh, if I, I believed in myself, I believed in cash, I believed in our abilities and I got into wrestling, obviously I got into wrestling to make money too. And, and that's a huge factor in it, but I got into wrestling to do something good for wrestling because wrestling did so much good for me. And I, you know, I've said it a million times, wrestling saved my life and it really did. I, as a kid, I never got in trouble, never did drugs, never drank a drop of alcohol as a kid. I'll drink some tonight, don't worry. <laughs> but but uh, as a kid, wrestling kept me on the straight and narrow because I wanted to be like Brett, and Brett, you know, he presented himself as that, 
as as a hero, as a wholesome uh, underdog who fought for everything. And that's what I wanted to be. Um, and so I knew that I, if I wanted to give back to wrestling, if I didn't want to just sit, sit back and, and collect a paycheck and go to catering and you know, uh, clock in and clock out, that WWE wasn't the place for me, whether I went to AEW or not. I mean, when we asked for a release, AEW wasn't even a thing. Um, just so happens that when we finally got it, AEW was around and they were cooking. And, uh, you know, the, the intrigue of the Young Bucks, who were 1A and 1B with us as greatest tag team of this gener- generation, uh, obviously uh, enticed us to go to AEW. But uh, ultimately, the reason Cash and I wanted to leave was because we knew we couldn't give back properly to the business that has made us, that has helped us grow, and uh, given us the life that we have now. And um, AEW absolutely gave us that platform. Tony Khan absolutely gave us that platform. And um, I think that uh, I think that we've proven, you know, and again, I hope I'm not patting myself on the back too much here, but I think we've proven that uh, we were right when we left. I, I agree. I, what you guys have done for wrestling and the tag team. I mean, like, the tag team matches are incredible. I, I can't even, I can't compliment you guys enough. No fists, ju- I mean, sorry, no flips, just fists. It's unbelievable. Ten time world champion, Dax Harwood. I believe that's, you, you get, you and Cash are the only two guys to ever hold every tag team belt in all of the, all of the major promotions in wrestling. It's truly an unbelievable, uh, accomplishment for you guys. To your time in AEW and AEW in general here, I want to ask you, what are your favorite series of matches? And, and you could use the WWE too. I don't want to just hold you at AEW because I want to nerd out with you for a minute here. What's your favorite series of matches out of these? The Briscoes, the Young Bucks, or how about WWE American Alpha or, or one that I didn't mention here? What's your favorite uh, series of matches between any other tag team? Uh, well, you know, before I give you my, my favorite, and I'll, I'll tell you why it was my favorite, I, you know, I, I cannot, I can't go without saying what the Alphas did for us and, and how they helped us. We had a trilogy of matches with them that I would hold up to any standards from today in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those guys, we pushed each other. Uh, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable, they, uh, Chad Gable is an Olympic wrestler. I mean, he was, he was on the United States Olympic team. Um, you know, and, and, and we pushed each other with, because we wanted to blow them up. They wanted to blow us up. Uh, we wanted to, to work harder than them. They wanted to work harder than us. So there was a competitive rivalry that sometimes got a little physical, got a little heated, but, uh, we knew that the four of us could change the whole perception of tag team wrestling within WWE. And uh, at least in NXT, we did that. And then obviously the trilogy with uh, DIY as well. One of our, uh, I guess, one of our most um, heralded matches, one of the, 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 the matches that people call the greatest tag team match of all time is the two out of three falls with DIY from uh, TakeOver uh, Toronto. I'm very, very proud of that match as well. Um, and then moving on to AEW, uh, we finally got our opportunity to to showcase what we wanted to do, what we could do. Uh, the the matches, the two three matches we've had with uh, the Young Bucks, uh, you know, they are some of my favorite matches in front of eighty one thousand eighty. Uh, you know, just recently we uh, eighty three thousand fans in uh, Wembley Stadium. I'll never forget that one. But overall, uh, above it all, you know, I, I cannot forget our 58-minute match, two out of three falls with uh, 
with uh, Bullet Club Gold, Jay White, mm-hmm. and Judy Robinson. That that one may be my favorite match we've ever had. 58 minutes on primetime national television uh, doesn't come every single day for people. And, uh, it, it you know, we, we, we went out there and we pushed each other. We kept the ratings up. We also, and in ratings, I mean uh, TV ratings. I don't give a damn about Dave Meltzer ratings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, but we we kept the ratings up and we also delivered um, you know a, a classic tag team match that I'm proud of. But the match, the series with the Briscoes, uh, I actually watched our two out of three falls match today uh, during cardio. It was wow. a 47 minute two out of three falls match with the Briscoes, um, and that that uh, that trilogy, man, we all had something to prove because those guys had never got an opportunity properly to be on national television. And now they were in that, a national spotlight after almost 20 years as the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, ringleaders of tag team wrestling, the standard bears of tag team wrestling. They finally got their opportunity with us. And, uh, it culminated in a dog collar match on, uh, December the 17th, I believe 2022. And that match, I mean, you know, that one in the two out of three falls with a uh, bullet club gold neck and neck, they fight battle every single day between which is my favorite, but that two out of three, I mean, excuse me, that, uh, dog collar match, uh, the emotion, the storytelling, the athleticism, the physicality, uh, you know, we put it all out there, and that one uh, I think has a has as much right as any other match to go down as the greatest wrestling match of all time. And I'm and, and now I am being egotistical. Well, I mean, you're right though; it was unbelievable, and I'm just pleased to hear. I'm just, I mean, incredibly excited to know that I have something in common with Dax Harwood. I watch wrestling while I do cardio, so that's unbelievable <laughs> to hear that you're doing the same thing. I want to say one more time. I got one more question for you, but Dax Harwood with us, part of. FTR and AEW, great trunks, by the way, in Wembley Stadium. Love the British flag on the, on the behind. It was great stuff. This weekend, AEW Collision is coming to Memphis in the FedEx Forum, where he already mentioned it. A, a World Tag Team Championship on the line between Ricky Starks and Big Bill that took the championship away from FTR. They take on Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. It's going to be unbelievable. And there's a battle of the belts in the show as well at the FedEx Forum. you got to get tickets for this. It's going to be an unbelievable show. My last question for Dax Harwood here you just listed all these incredible matches incredible series of matches between some of the best tag teams ever is there a dream match out there that you have now that you haven't been able to cross off i mean you crossed off so many off your list is there, do you still have a dream match on your list that you haven't been able to get yet oh my gosh man oh um yeah i don't, I don't know i can't i mean the only i guess it's a dream match for me. I, you know, hopefully the fans would think so too. But there was a tag team that revolutionized tag team wrestling in the 2010s. And they were called the Motor City Machine Guns, mm. and we have never had an opportunity to have a two-on-two match with those guys. I would, I would love to, I would love to do that. But uh, as far as our uh, dream tag team matches, man, I, you know, I, I don't, I can't, I can't think of of too many right now. I think it would be, you know. It'd be fun to have a match with uh, Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens, but I don't necessarily think it's a dream match for me. Um, they're two incredible wrestlers, and you know, but they're, they're not, you know, technically tag team wrestlers. Uh, singles wise, man, there there are a few dream matches I would like to have as the singles wrestler. Um, like I would love to to fight Ishii. I'd love to fight Shibata. Oh, yeah. um, I would love to. I'd love to fight Eddie, Eddie Kingston. Speaking of Eddie Kingston, he'll be there against uh, Jeff Jarrett, who's making his Memphis uh, return. Um, they're going to have a, uh, a hell of a fight uh, this Saturday night at Collision. And, um, oh, did we lose him? 
think we lost him. Oh, he dropped. That's, That's too, too bad. bad. Man, too bad. I got Dax Harwood. Truly, if you're not a wrestling fan, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. He's an absolute legend of the sport. Dax Harwood with us. Cash Wheeler's his tag team partner in FTR. I'm telling you, he just mentioned Jeff Jarrett. We're talking to Jeff Jarrett tomorrow. You've got to get tickets for AEW Collision and Battle of the Belts. So many titles on the line here. Dax Harwood with us. We're going to be back right after this. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. But you got to be willing to take the hit and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. Now back to Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Tito's Vodka. Here once again, Johnny Radio. Welcome back to a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy, Johnny Radio. That was our buddy, Jay Morgan and Dax Harwood. He don't play no games. A little AEW action going down. But I got to tell you right now, we got to make some money. 407 on TBS, Phillies and the Diamondbacks. I love the Phillies. Yesterday, I was wrong with the Rangers. Phillies are going to go up 3-0. And then the Astros might tie this series at 2-2. I love the Phillies today. Pound them. Ranger Suarez has been awesome. And the rookie, um, fat. Well, his pitch is flat, and you're going to see it like a grapefruit. Phillies got four of their six home runs off the fastball. He throws that 45% of the time. Phillies, 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 Phillies. And Houston team total over four and a half runs. I also kind of like the over nine and a half. I don't know exactly who's going to win. But the Astros going over four and a half, I love that pick because Heaney, they're going to crush him. And plus, the Astros score more runs on the road than they do at home. And they scored more runs on the road over there in Arlington than any other ballpark. You saw they went banana sandwiches yesterday. I think a lot of scoring over the four and a half. Don't forget, after you make all your money, head on over to Meadowbrook Country Club. It's just across the bridge. That's right. It is at 1250 West Broad. It was private since 1959. Now it's semi-private. You can be a member for a day for $59. That includes the cart. Par 71, Champion Bermuda Greens, four tee boxes. It's awesome. And if you live downtown, become a member for only $350. That's Meadow Brook Country Club. For Bryant Dacus, I'm John. That's my time. Peace. Have a good day.